The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Falato on Football brought to you by Big Blue View. SB Nation's land of Giants news, and speaking of Giants news, and, well, New Jersey news in general, we've had a bit of a scare over the weekend on the coronavirus front in terms of football. There were several, multiple, I want to say 10 as of right now, Sunday evening, false positive tests that stem from a New Jersey laboratory that altered the Jets and Giants practice just a bit. It also happened for the Bears out there in Chicago. They also had a scare of several false positives, nine of them which is really just indicative of how precarious this entire situation is, which I'm sure I don't need to express that to you. We all know what's been going on over the last several months here in America, around the world with the coronavirus. And we're all right now enamored and excited about training camp. I know on the Giants front, I keep hearing good things about David Sills, Alex Bachman, Darnay Holmes, and even players like Jerron Williams in camp, which the Giants need because the Giants need to find a boundary corner opposite of James Bradbury, but that's a story for another day. Unfortunately, we don't have any preseason to see how these dudes ball during live reps. But the pandemic, as we all know, it's still lingering, and all of this can be taken away just in a flash, which is just incredibly unfortunate. It seems like these irregularities happened and they stem from a specific New Jersey lab that a lot of these football teams get their tests done at. They all led to these false positive tests, but all the players and the personnel that tested positive or tested two times within the next 48 hours and they all came back negative along with no symptoms being present. That's another uh, caveat to that. I guess we can say that's a good sign, but let's cross our fingers and hope that These false positives don't happen during the NFL season or that the virus just doesn't find its way into some of these buildings and end up shutting it down. I mean, you can do double headers in baseball to kind of make up ground. You can cancel baseball games. I don't know how you're going to do that in football. That's a story for another day, though. The Eagles were actually also affected by this, too. But both them and the Jets practice Sunday morning, which is a good sign. But damn, ladies and gentlemen, we live in some strange times and i know that's in the back of all of our minds i don't need to sit here and preach about that but in other unfortunate nfl news head football coach of the washington football team former head coach of the carolina panthers ron rivera was diagnosed with a form of squamous cell cancer which is basically just skin cancer luckily it was caught very early in its development and coach rivera plans to coach this season but washington their defensive coordinator is jack del rio he used to be the head football coach of the jaguars always wears a suit on the sideline he used to be the head football coach of the Raiders he's on staff as that defensive coordinator so if Rivera does need to step aside 
Del Rio will take the reins over. And we wish Rivera a very speedy recovery, of course. And also, thinking of Del Rio with that defense, Montez Sweat, Chase Young, Ryan Kerrigan, and all them boys on that defensive front, it actually gives me a bit of disquietude, to be honest, because that dude can coach and those men can play. So let's hope the Giants' offensive line really steps up. And I really do love where they're at when you juxtapose them to last year's offensive line, but they're still young and they still have a lot to prove. But in other NFL news caught the mouth regions of a lot of talking heads around the NFL media is our very own New York Giants head coach Joe Judge, who has implemented a punishment system at Giants practice that has been ridiculed by a lot of former players. Look, I get it. These are incredibly wealthy athletes who are adults. Some have teenage kids, so they've made a lot of life decisions. And making coaches and players run laps for mistakes can theoretically limit said mistakes, mitigate said mistakes, you can say. But if you're not winning, this could significantly backfire. And I know a lot of those former players, they're criticizing Judge, saying that he's trying to be Belichick. I know Bill Parcells came out and just said, be yourself. And I know it's an easy target. He's a rookie head coach coming from a tree, a Belichick tree. So everyone thinks that everybody who comes from that tree is just trying to be Belichick. So it's easy target to kind of hit. And when you see these headlines like he's making players run, it's easy to attack that. Look, I don't know the man. I don't know Joe Judge. This dude could be an entirely different person, but from everything I've heard, he has always been a hard-nosed, detail-oriented guy who enforced a high standard of excellence. And look, standards are great. They're something to strive for, and I hope Judge is judicious with how he punishes the team, and I hope he holds up all these players equally accountable. That's what we're hearing from camp, at least. He's doing that to Saquon Barkley. He makes a mistake. May Saquon Barkley run. Yeah, you want to hear that, but of course this could all backfire. But what I do enjoy about all of this is it's so far off the tired, beaten path of Ben McAdoo and Pat Shermer. So I personally don't mind this type of approach if done correctly. And Judge has to stick to who he is during adversity as well, especially with his young team. And I have faith in this coach. I do. More than I did with protect the Duke and run the inside zone on the second and 12. But I hope he has a plan of attack. And I hope that if the team's losing, he is able to stick to his laurels, but adjust to the situation. And judging by his personality, I feel like he will. But I think Gettleman and Judge, they have a team assembled that kind of got rid of a lot of those me guys, those Janoris Jenkins, those Eli Apples. And there's a couple other players you could probably throw into that bucket. But I think there's the right team assembled. Right now, I think Gettleman and Judge did a solid job assembling this team. So let's hope they all kind of come together. The veteran leadership can be a question mark, especially with Solder not there. You can say what you want about Solder's play, but he's still a veteran leader, somebody who has won multiple Super Bowls. So there's something to be said about that. Without him being there, this team is very young. So who's going to step up? Who's going to be the leaders of this team? But hopefully Joe Judge does this the right way and the message doesn't die on deaf ears because that would be terrible. Another news. This is great. Earl Thomas, another great safety, seems to be on the chopping block of his current team. And this time, he punched teammate Chuck Clark in the face. And the Ravens have officially announced that they released Earl Thomas. And it's possibly going to carry a $25 million dead camp. But the team will look to recoup $10 million of that because the release was deemed conduct detrimental to the team, which is a very important designation because. This will allow the Ravens to pursue that $10 million off the $25 million dead cap. And honestly, man, if I'm going to be serious, the Ravens may have been waiting 
for this type of public blow-up. Fights happen all the time in training camp. Okay, they happen all the time. Remember when IK Inampali punched Geno Smith in the face? Now, that one's a little bit different because Geno Smith was supposed to be the face of your franchise, and that prompted IK to be cut, and the Bills swooped in and picked him up, which was actually pretty funny. But fights happen all the time in training camp. Punches get thrown. It's not something that's ideal, but hey, it's a lot of testosterone out on that field. A lot of testosterone. People fight. I don't know the context of what happened with this altercation with Clark. But this may have given the Ravens a way out to justify his release and recoup that money. And they've honestly, they've recently come out and said they like third-year safety Deshaun Elliott, who spent most of last season on the IR. But I don't know, man. Maybe the Ravens won't miss this Mercurial Thomas from a personality standpoint. You want to talk about a strange, strange offseason for Earl. I mean, the dude got the Derrick Henry stiff arm in the playoffs and then got publicly busted for cheating in a, on his wife in a very, very strange way. <laughs> if you know, you know, look it up. And now he's punching his teammates in the face and getting shipped out of town. I'm a great player, but controversy seems to follow Thomas. It really does. Let's not forget, he flipped off his own team after the leg injury. And I'm sure, you know, he was emotional and pissed about the contract situation. But there's a lot of arrows pointing at Earl now that suggest trouble tends to follow him. But hey, he could still help a team win. He's still talented at 31. Reportedly, the Texans, the 49ers, possibly the Cardinals, and the Cowboys are in the hunt to possibly sign him. The Cowboys makes a lot of sense to me because Gerald McCoy, they ended up waiving him with the injury designation. And that was, we'll get into the injuries in a little bit, but that was a devastating injury to watch if you haven't seen the Gerald McCoy injury. And they also restructured Tyron Smith's contract to open up cap room. I don't know what kind of contract Earl's going to sign, what kind of leverage he's going to have on the market, how many teams are going to be going for him. I would imagine it's a lot, so we could actually get a decent payday. But maybe by the time this podcast drops, we'll actually know. But the Gerald McCoy injury, before we get to our ads, it, it was devastating to see. I mean, Gerald McCoy signs with the Cowboys. It's going to be a really, really talented three technique. And yes, he's a little bit long in the tooth, but he's still a talented player who could play in a rotational role for the Cowboys on a pretty solid defensive line. All he was doing was acting as the offensive lineman in a simple drill where the defensive lineman just explodes up from a low stance and the, his fellow teammate just literally just touched him on the shoulder and he stepped wrong and tore his quad muscle. Absolutely devastating. You hate to see it. Reportedly, Gerald McCoy is a great guy, so we wish him a speedy recovery. That's terrible. There's also been a lot of fake rumors floating around Twitter about Yannick Ngakwe possibly landing to the Philadelphia Eagles. I think a fake Adam Schefter account tweeted something like that and a bunch of people went crazy and it turned out to be a fake Adam Schefter account. So you know the rules. If you get duped and you tweet about it, you got to take a whole day off of Twitter. That's the rules of Twitter. If you get duped and you retweet it or quote tweet it or do something like that, you're duped. You got to take a whole day off Twitter. But Yannick Ngakwe reportedly though is obviously on the trading block. See if the Jaguars maybe want to work something out with him, but it seems like the Raiders are a team that are really interested in the young player, and they continue to, quote-unquote, monitor the situation. Ngakwe, you don't find many 25-year-old pass rushers who are prime third-down pass rushers. Not that great against the run, but still very, very good players that you want on your team because they significantly affect the pass, and we know how important the pass is in the NFL. Ngakwe came into the league in 2016, had eight sacks, 2017 had 12, had nine and a half in 2018, and had eight last year. And 
The Raiders do end up getting him. They end up, I guess, replacing Khalil Mack, although Khalil Mack is a much better player than Ngakwe, in my honest opinion. But they end up landing him along with Max Crosby, along with Arden Key, and along with Cleveland Farrell. And then they have a really young group of pass rushers that would be highlighted by Yannick Ngakwe, in my opinion. Although Max Crosby, somebody a lot of people wrote off, ended up really balling out in his rookie season. Let's see if he could do that in his sophomore season. But before we dive into the rest of the show, I want to take a quick break. Take a word from our lovely sponsors here at SB Nation. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hey there, bub. Welcome back. So we've had some pretty big injury scares and some also some pretty big injuries as well. Uh, in the first week of padded practice, first we had Tyreek Hill go down with a leg injury, turned out to be minor. Devontae Adams went down with a big leg injury, turned out to be minor, but he was down for a while and it was actually really, really scary. And you also have some serious injuries though too, like Jalen Hurd. He was supposed to be a second-year breakout candidate in the 49ers who were dealing with Debo Samuel, who's going to start the year injured as well. And he was supposed to break out this year. He was hurt his entire rookie season. He used to be the starting running back for the Tennessee Volunteers. And then he transferred to Baylor and became a wide receiver. He's a tall guy. He's like six foot three. So he was a really big running back. Incredibly athletic. He ended up tearing his ACL and he's done for the season. We have Miles Sanders, the star running back for the Philadelphia Eagles, who should be going at the one-two turn in fantasy drafts. We'll talk about him a lot on the Philados Fantasy Corner podcast we did last week a little bit as well he is week to week with a lower body injury i don't know if this is the national hockey league and why it's not being designated or why they're not telling us what it is what the hell is a lower body injury is it a busted toe is it an acl is it an mcl is he able to cut on it did he just hurt his foot does he have turf toe i'm not 100 percent sure but they said week to week and he should be available week one but that's obviously going to give some players pause when it comes to fantasy football and probably should at least we just want to monitor this and see how it kind of materializes over the next coming weeks up into your drafts. As for the New York Jets, they seem to be getting slammed by the injury bug. Okay, especially at the wide receiver position. Denzel Mims, their second round pick, had a hamstring injury and he didn't participate in Sunday's practice. That's this Sunday, August 23rd. Brashad Perriman was also held out of Sunday's practice with an unspecified injury. And Vincent Smith, who was kind of turning a lot of heads in the beginning of camp, required a core muscle surgery, who probably going to sideline him to five to eight weeks. So the question is, who the heck is Sam Darnold going to throw the football to outside of Jameson Crowder? I'll tell you a name. And that is tight end Chris Herndon, who has been heralded by the Adam Gase coaching staff 
And Adam Gase, let's remember his time in Denver as the offensive coordinator, and even his time in Miami a little bit, but his time at Denver, especially with Julius Thomas, he loved throwing at the tight end. And he also liked doing it when he was up with the Bears a little bit. So I think Chris Herning could be in for that breakout season that a lot of people expected last year, but he was injured. And Sam Darnold does not have a lot of talented weapons around him. Okay, he does not, and a lot of them are going down with injury, and the Jets seem to be just hit with the injury bug right now in terms of just their wide receiver position. You also have players like Patrick Onawasor coming down with an injury, Cameron Clark, Brian Poole. Now, these are all questionable. They're not huge injuries, but these guys are not getting as many reps in training camp as they probably should be right now, and that's not good for a young team, especially a team that's not overly talented. As for the New England Patriots, we're going to stick in the AFC East, Jarrett Stinham has this hip leg injury where he has discomfort in the leg, which is leading to more first team reps for Cameron Newton. And look, I honestly think whoever proves themselves the most in Bill Belichick's offense is going to end up getting the reps. And Jared Stenham has another year in that system, which is huge for a more complicated system, but it's hard for me to believe that Josh McDaniels won't simplify the system a little bit for somebody who doesn't have as much experience in the system, especially when that person is Cam Newton. I know we haven't seen Cam be Cam for several years because of several different injuries. You had the foot, you have the shoulder, and I get it, but he's Cam Newton. And he's going to find his way onto that field and he's going to do Cam things. And that's going to be interesting. I wonder how they're going to utilize Cam Newton next to the red zone. I mean, Bill Belichick, you have this huge, gigantic, six foot five, 245 pound. This is like a defensive end as your quarterback. And we've seen the Patriots kind of struggle to run the football. Sony Michelle's out right now with a foot injury. He hasn't been ruled out for week one, but it could be likely. Lamar Miller, they just signed recently. He's going to start this season injured as well. So now you have Damian Harris, who has kind of been praised a lot going into camp. A lot of people are talking about him. He's the kid's second year out of Alabama, very talented running back. But if you have Cam Newton with the running back, you that read option <laughs> next to the red zone, I wonder if Cam's going to revert back to old Cam. I wonder if his body can hold up with that. It's interesting. But uh, the fact that the Patriots, man, they've lost so much in this offseason with all those guys who ended up opting out, all those linebackers who ended up signing at other places, it's going to hurt that defense, that really, really studly defense. But it's going to be at least interesting wrinkle to see what they do with a talent like Cam Newton, if Cam Newton is still the Cam Newton that we all remember. As for the Chiefs, like I said before, the injury to Tyree Kill is his hamstring. It's not a tear or anything like that. He's going to miss a couple practices. Seems like he's going to be fine, which is huge. Sammy Watkins also came down with a groin injury this past Friday. Seems like he's going to be okay for week one as well. They're just kind of limiting their reps at the moment. But Kansas City's kind of been hit with a lot of different injuries. We had Ricky Seals-Jones carted off of the practice field last Monday with an apparent left leg injury. Does not seem like a good thing. Eric Fisher suffered a concussion. Chris Jones did not participate in Saturday's practice due to a groin injury. Not a lot of these seem like huge injuries, though, which is awesome. I know Alex Brown, he's a backup cornerback. He got put on the injured reserve this past Sunday. Martinez Rankin was placed on the pup list. They drafted him a couple years ago out of Mississippi State. He's an offensive tackle, not expected to start, so that's also pretty solid. Juan Thornhill, who got hurt down the stretch of the season last year, who was a rookie safety who was balling next to Tyron Matthew. He's participating in a limited fashion. It seems like his knee is coming along, so that's excellent news for them. And then Antonio Hamilton also came down with a groin injury in practice. He's going to be an ace special teamer and somebody who's going to be worked into the cornerback rotation for Steve Spagnola and that Chiefs defense. 
defense seems like he's going to be all right. A lot of those guys are questionable, but the ones who are out, Martinez, Rankin, and Alex Brown, seems like they're going to be a little bit more unlikely to return this season, or at least they won't return until later in the season which is obviously unfortunate. As for the Colts, Kamoko Ture is still out with the ankle injury, and he was placed on the active pup list on Tuesday. Kamoko Ture, former Rutgers star, Scarlet Knight star, encouraging, promising kind of pass rusher, so hopefully he can kind of get healthy and get back because he has solid explosiveness. And obviously, I'm a Jersey guy, so I always pull for kids who come out of Rutgers, not a lot of them end up going to the NFL and having excellent success, and some of the ones who did end up having a really bad reputation afterwards. So I always pull for those kind of local kids like that. We also have for the Green Bay Packers, like I said, Devontae Adams was hurt, but he seems like he's going to be fine. He actually returned to practice after being on the ground for quite some time a few days ago, so everything's going to be okay with him. Montrevious Adams, uh, his practice was cut short last Tuesday with a sprained toe. He's a defensive tackle in their rotation. He's going to be fine as well. Beat reporters around the Broncos are saying that you can't think of Melvin Gordon as the only starter. It's going to be two starting running backs with Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay. But Melvin Gordon actually had some rib injuries. He was held out of practice on Sunday. I think he's going to be fine. A lot of this is just going to be managing some of these guys as well. Todd Davis, who is a talented linebacker that they resigned two years ago. Well, I guess so you could say last offseason. He's going to miss two to three weeks with a calf injury. A lot of people thought it was an ACL at first, so a calf injury is actually a sign of relief. But he's a foundational piece to Vic Fangio's defense, a defense that I think is going to be much better this year with a healthy Bradley Chubb and a Von Miller. Von Miller is actually dealing with an elbow injury as well. Should be fine. KJ Hamler has a hamstring injury, could be out a month. Hopefully he'll be available week one because I'm really, as a Giants fan, I'm very intrigued by this Broncos offense. I mean, we know Pat Shermer liked Drew Locke a lot as well. Love Daniel Jones, like Drew Locke a lot. But we've also seen the negative parts of Pat Shermer and when things don't work and how he kind of sticks to it and how he can get stubborn and how he didn't maximize some of his weapons sometimes. Granted, he had a really bad offensive line. The Broncos offensive line with Mike Munchak played a lot better, better last year. Played a lot better. And they're going to play a lot better than the Hal Hunter offensive line did in 2019 and 2018 for the Giants. And you got Jerry Judy, you got KJ Hamler, you got Cortland Sutton, you got Noah Fant. And you drafted Albert O as your backup tight end who could maybe stretch a seam because he's fast, but I didn't really love him coming out of the draft. And you got Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay with that inside zone, outside zone a little bit. I think that could be really intriguing to see. I'm excited to see how Shermer can work that offense. So I think it's going to be, a, that's definitely a team I want to monitor as a Giants fan. But as for the Cowboys, Lyle Collins was in a car accident. It was very minor. He's fine. He's going to not miss any time whatsoever. And then Lyle Collins was also working with an athletic trainer after Thursday's practice. Seems like he's going to be okay too. As for the Browns, David Njoku's wrist injury popped back up on Saturday. That's something to monitor. Kevin Johnson, cornerback out of Wake Forest a couple years ago that the Texans drafted in the first round. He's on the Browns now, had a lacerated liver, so he's week to week. That's a scary injury, obviously. I feel like Kevin Johnson can never catch a break. He's always dealing with some sort of injury, so that's really unfortunate. Mac Wilson was also thought of. He might be out for a significant amount of time. Now it's just doubtful that he might be available for week one. Could be out three to four weeks, something along those lines, but it's still something to monitor. He's supposed to be their starting linebacker, and the Browns are very, very razor thin at linebacker. Larry Ogunjobi, who is a really talented defensive tackle, a three technique, came out of Charlotte, small school, but he balled out in the NFL. He should be ready for week one. The Bengals have had 
couple different injuries. I know Ronell Wren, guy I got to work with at the Senior Bowl, really cool dude. He suffered a pretty bad quadriceps injury, and it looks like he's going to be out for the entire season, which sucks because he's going into his second year, and you hate to see that because it's hard to bounce back from something like that. You really have to prove yourself in your third year in order to try to really make a name on yourself, and you're obviously recovering from an injury, so it really puts you behind the eight ball. I'm, all my thoughts go out to Rennell because he seems like a really good dude. AJ Green, <laughs> I mean, he can't catch a break. He came down with a hamstring injury, and he's not practicing now, but we know last year he sat out the entire season, and it doesn't give me a warm and fuzzy on if he's going to be ready for week one. I really hope we get to see AJ Green with Joe Burrow, and I know he's a lot older now, and he's been in the league for quite a while, but I think he could still be a solid receiving option. Somebody who may even be a value in fantasy drafts if he continues to fall. A lot of people don't view him in a good light, but what we remember from AJ Green was he was really dominant. That was before the injury. That was two years ago now, and now he's already coming down with a hamstring injury, so doesn't really give you a warm and fuzzy. Trey Waynes is out with a chest injury. He's probably going to miss a lot of 2020, which sucks for Cincinnati because they went out and paid him big money to come over from the Minnesota Vikings. He hurt his chest and he is out for a significant amount of time, which devastating here. Absolutely devastating. And as for some of the other big injuries around the league, nothing really jumps out. I mean, Jalen Hurds, that was devastating. There was a not to be confused with Jalen Hurts because I've talked about this with several people and a lot of people are like, oh, well, hey, Carson Wentz doesn't have to worry about uh, Jalen Hurts anymore. And I'm like, no, 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 no. That's Jalen Hurd. Jalen Hurd, not Jalen Hurts. And then people were like, well, it's a Jalen on the Eagles, is it? Is it Jalen Rager, the first round pick wide receiver? No. Jalen Hurd of the 49ers. So let's just lay that one out there. In some other NFL news, the NFL is actually considering a bubble environment for the postseason. Now, I'm curious to see how this would work, but Troy Vincent, who's the executive vice president of NFL football operations, have come out and said all things are going to be on the table. So I'm wondering if there's going to be like a two-week period after the regular season, and then they're going to start the playoffs and roll into it if this virus is still doing what the virus has been doing. But I think that's just an interesting nugget I wanted to bring up to this podcast to say, hey, anything's going to be on the table come playoff time. I wonder how this whole season, what's going to happen it's still somewhat up in the air. We don't really know. Everything is kind of just going with the flow. Speaking of going with the flow, but not really because we're not speaking of the status quo, Cordero Patterson came out last week and said Mitch Trubisky. Now, this is all training camp talk. We all love training camp talk. Everybody's Superman. Everybody's Roger Stallback. Everybody's Joe Montana. But Cordero Patterson came out and said Mitch Trubisky is a whole new player. He sees it in his eyes. He sees it in practice. And Trubisky reportedly worked on his footwork all offseason. And I think we can all agree that he needs it. He needs that accuracy. And he's been holding the Bears back. Now, Trubisky, back in 2018, had 66% completion percentage, threw for just over 3,000 yards, had 24 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. And the double doink ended up screwing him over. Now, that double doink, when Cody Parkey double doinked the ball, resulting in a loss for the Bears, which was obviously devastating for them. And then this last year, they came out, the defense wasn't as good without Vic Fangio. They have Chuck Pagano there, obviously a really good defensive mind, been around the NFL for quite some time. But the team never really came together, and Mitch Trubisky turned into mediocre Mitch. Now, Cordero Patterson thinks that he can get back to being Mitch Trubisky, maybe ascend, but damn, it does not look good for him. They bring in Nick Foles (laughs) with a pretty hefty contract from the Jaguars. The Bears, they declined Trubisky's fifth-year option. They brought in a potential replacement. I mean, it, it, the weight on Mitch Trubisky's shoulders right now is so big. And Matt Nagy is not coming out and saying 
that this job is Mitch's. Obviously, he's encouraging this competition. He wants Mitch to rise to the occasion. But when Pace, their general manager, Ryan Pace, drafted Mitch Trubisky, I remember that draft. It was a Pat Mahomes draft. It was the Deshaun Watson draft. And they traded up a pick to get Trubisky, a player who started 12 games in college, couldn't even beat out the guy who was in front of him as a redshirt sophomore, couldn't beat that guy out. And that guy wasn't even close to being an NFL prospect. So I remember when that draft was made, that draft selection was made, and I was just like, it's not exactly desirable. It's definitely not something that you want. Now you're looking this guy, you're looking and hoping that this guy can grow and you can teach him and kind of inculcate him into your system. But it just didn't really happen. The ball placement isn't there. Yes, he's athletic, and that's the best you have with him is when you get him out in space to use his legs. But he just doesn't seem like the guy. The Bears know it. They declined that fifth-year option, and hopefully for Mitch's sake, he can really put everything together now and get a payday, but I'm not overly encouraged by that, and I'm definitely not going out on a limb by saying that. But another young quarterback news, Tua Tungavailoa of the Miami Dolphins, the fifth overall pick in this draft, looked good in practice in terms of his mobility. Remember, he had that brutal, that brutal injury to his hip with Alabama back last November. So they select him. And it still seems like Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to be the starter. They're going to bring Tua Tungavailoa along slowly. And that's the way you do this, in my opinion. You bring him along slowly. Let him learn the offense. Let him get comfortable. Don't put him out there to get killed behind an offensive line that's not exactly there. An offensive line that just paid Eric Flowers $10 million a year. So I think that's a wise move to have Ryan Fitzpatrick, a savvy veteran, somebody who can win you games, somebody who a lot of the young players can rally around. And it seems like he does that everywhere he goes. I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick has been everywhere. I remember being, I was like 12 or something. I was very, very young. And I remember watching Ryan Fitzpatrick with the Los Angeles, well, back then, the St. Louis Rams, be an absolute gunslinger. And he was this rookie out of Harvard who was just dominating. And I was like, oh, wow, wow, this guy, look at him. It's before he even had a beard. It was so long ago, you know. But he's just been around the league, and I tip my cap to someone like Ryan Fitzpatrick. But I think he's the perfect person to keep that pocket warm for Tua Tungavailoa until he gets healthy then he can step in there hopefully Devontae Parker can continue to ascend hopefully Preston Williams who tore his ACL late in the season last year I want to say it was against the New York Giants towards ACL he seems healthy he's running around a little bit at camp he's still limited but he's a young player that people should pay attention to because he's a talented player as Preston Williams so I think Preston Williams Devontae Parker Mike Gesicki the tight end they drafted out of Penn State I think those are solid weapons that are going to be around Tua hopefully they'll continue to get better with Brian Flores as their head coach and Brian Fitzpatrick can help teach these guys in a division, a division that's not going to be dominated by the Patriots. At least it doesn't seem like it this year. But the Bills, very good team. All right. It's all right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to Falato on Football. Please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on Apple. You could find it basically anywhere podcasts are played. I hope you enjoyed this show. Please have a lovely day. Stay safe and go Giants.